everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I met at Catholic University in undergrad. We used to attend retreats together and adoration together. And he's now a part of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception Order. It's Father Andy Davey. Welcome, Father. Well, it's great to be here and great to hear your voice as well. I know. It's been so long. It's good to connect. That's the one thing yeah. that 2020, I feel like, has done is in some ways we've been able to connect more. I don't know if you totally. agree. Totally. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Father? Okay. Um, so I'm originally, I'm a, I'm a Marylander. Um, grew up in Gaithersburg and in, in Maryland. Um, encountered encountered the Lord in the midst of uh, um, freshman year in high school. Um, just a real uh, moment of the Lord just just revealing His presence, just His deep love for me uh, during a very difficult time. Just kind of kind of grew in the midst of that and and started that first just movement in the heart of maybe the Lord's calling me to be a priest. Um, at that time, I was thinking of uh, either being a youth minister or working with, I, I used to work as a preschool teacher um, at Catholic U for a little while. And so, you know, very much my, my heart was uh, wanting to work with the, the, the youth and the younger people. And uh, the Lord uh, at Mass one day at the Basilica, the Immaculate Conception in D.C., um, just really spoke to my heart and said, you could be a priest. And and um at that time, in all honesty, it was not what I wanted to do, and yet I, I fought with it and fought with it, and and finally the the Lord just said, "Why are you running from me? I have something amazing to give you." And uh, I finally realized that He was a faster runner than me. I said yes to that, um, and just that gift of peace um, has been there ever since. I've been uh, uh, a Marian. I've been ordained a priest um, since two thousand and nine. Um, wow. I was ordained in Gaithersburg at, at St. John Neumann Parish there and uh, came out to the Midwest. So I've been out in um, this little town uh, that's this beautiful bilingual community of um, almost about 50% of my parishioners are from northern Mexico. Um, and so it's wonderful just to jump between the, the two beautiful cultures there. It's a little parish called St. Mary's. And I, I was once I was ordained, I went out there and I've been out there ever since. So it's kind of a unique situation because it, it's my only parish that I've ever been at. And so just seeing these generations of um, kids who were my middle schoolers, I'm now celebrating their their weddings for. Um, oh, my gosh. So it's a, it's a powerful <laughs> moment of spiritual fatherhood there. I totally understand. I mean, being a teacher, I've been a teacher for 11 years. And it is true okay. that yep. you know, the students that I taught in high school or middle school are now like in their 20s and yeah. getting married and all that. So I totally feel that. Um, yeah, yeah. That is that's that's awesome that you've been able to be at that parish that long. That isn't necessarily typical for most priests, so that's nice. Yeah, and I love being a priest now more than when I when I first said yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to talk scripture with you. Um, yeah. And to share that with you. So you've been reading. I've been noticing on Facebook from Sirach. Um, yeah. And yeah. you kind of been posting little daily updates of where your reading is. So I'd love to to talk to you about, you know, why Sirach and all of that. But why don't um, you go ahead and, and read the passage that you've chosen? You've chosen something from sure, Sirach sure. chapter three, right? 
Yes. So this is Sirach chapter 3, 21 until 24. Awesome. So whenever you are ready. Okay. Seek not what is too difficult for you, nor investigate what is beyond your power. Reflect upon what has been assigned to you, and do not be curious about many of his works. For you do not need to see with your eyes what is hidden. Do not meddle in what is beyond your tasks. For matters too great for human understanding have been shown you. For their hasty judgment has led many astray, and wrong opinion has caused their thoughts to slip. Okay, so I am going to give a little background on Sirach, and then we can get into it. And feel free, um, you know, to add to to what I've um, shared. Sure. So, um, for those who don't know, the Book of Sirach is actually a deuterocanonical book, which means that it's in Catholic translations of the Bible, but not Protestant translations. It's in our wisdom section of the Old Testament. And um, the wisdom section of the Old Testament is known for kind of different writing styles, a lot of poetry, a lot of Proverbs, um, and the Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are also wisdom books, and they have a different kind of writing style. And the Book of Sirach is also known in some um, texts as the Wisdom of Ben Sirah, which is, um, I think, translated the Son of Sirach. Um, So the author was a sage in Jerusalem who loved the wisdom tradition, but also loved rituals and the temple and the law. And this book was written around the second century BCE. So that's what I found in my research. Did you want to add anything to that about the background of the book? That was excellent. That was really, really good. And what I would (laughs) add is there's a, there's a part of Israel's history um, that's in another one of those deuterocanonical books called Maccabees. Mm -hmm. And it was this time where the Greek army, um, the is trying to um strip the people of israel from their from their traditions from their from their faith and their practice and um there are these freedom fighters that that fight back this desire to um to push back against the taking away of the 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 faith that was given to them um on mount sinai and so this is part of ben sira was writing this at sort of the beginning time before it started to get really, really violent. And he was trying to remind people of their roots to, to go back to who they were um, so that they wouldn't get swept away in, in other fads and, and pressure. That makes a lot of sense. I had a couple of footnotes too, that this might be directed towards trying to keep um, you know the readers away from some of those traditions that were creeping in the, you mentioned like mm-hmm. the ancient, the Greeks. And so that makes a lot of sense. I think that's important context. My translation is a little bit different. Do you mind if I read my translation yeah, yeah. to you? Um, I'm using a New American, but it's like a study Bible. So I find that it's different than other New American translations. But sure, yeah. I have verse 21. What is committed to you, attend to. For what is hidden is not your concern. And what is not mm-hmm. too much for you, meddle not. When shown things beyond human understanding. Their own opinions have misled many. And false reasoning unbalanced their judgment. Where the people of the eye is missing, there is no light. And where there is no knowledge, there is no wisdom. So kind of similar, but a little bit different. So I'm wanting to know, Father, why did you pick this passage? Because it's a very interesting passage. Yeah, it's kind of a random one. It's very random. (laughs) So it was, um, I I just, uh, I was thinking about what's a book that I haven't read for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And just I just kind of opened the Old Testament because I was like, you know, I want to do an Old Testament one. I've been I've been doing a lot with St. Paul and mm. and I want to kind of just change gears and just dig back into the into the Old Testament. And I, I stumbled upon this one. And at first I was like, nah, I'm going to find something <laughs> else. But but then I just uh, said, well, you know, it kind of is broken into these little sections. So I just mm-hmm. started just reading and and not trying to read to get it done, but just to just read a little section. And right from the beginning, I was just amazed at its practical knowledge and insight and there's so much here that I think speaks to our world right now that if if we were to read Sirach, um, I think as a society, I think we would learn how to respect each other a little more, um, mm. learn how to be wise in our in our speech and actually be a very virtuous people. Uh, there's just so much here. I actually like it even more than Proverbs. Um, mm. there, there's like a for me, it's, I mean, both of those are profound, but this one seems to just speak to me right now where it's just like the articulation is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's well said. I think there are similarities. I mean, they're both wisdom books to Proverbs, but these wise sayings essentially. Um, yeah. And I, I love would love to get into, you know, how you think this this applies um, to our modern world. So the subheading for this section, you mentioned that Cyrex kind of broken up into very tangible little sections. And this is a section labeled humility that this comes under. So mm, I can kind of yeah. see how like yeah. that we probably need to visit that right now as a society. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you just want to well, actually let me read you a footnote I found. So I put the definition of humility as defined um, with the footnote here in this section is my translation says that humility gives you a true estimate of yourself so that you will do what should be done and avoid what is beyond your understanding and strength. Intellectual yes. pride, however, leads you astray. And so then it says Ben Ciro is perhaps warning his students against the perils of Greek philosophy, which is interesting in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if you want to respond to that, like this definition of humility or this this falling yeah. under this heading of humility. Yeah. And just a couple verses before it talks about it's to the humble. I think this is verse 19. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to the humble that he reveals his mysteries. Um, that God reveals his mysteries. And what struck me is I've been very, I've been very moved in, in, in recent years with looking at the, the virtue and the vice of um, humilitas or humility mm-hmm. and curiositas or curiosity. And, <laughs> and it's not curiosity like we would normally think, you know, it's good to be curious and pondering and, you know, to sort of have that that, that question of, you know, why is something the way that it is? But this kind of curiosity is that intellectual pride. It's, okay. it's a kind of grasping. It, it's really grasping for the, the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, mm. and wanting to sort of contain wonder, contain the mystery, but to sort of put a box around it to say, I figured you out. But by doing that, you suffocate the mystery, um, you kill the wonder, and you start to utilitarianize that which is supposed to be something that's beyond your ability to fully fathom. Wow, that is really well said. And that makes a lot of sense. Because when I was reading this initially, I'm thinking about myself, I'm like, you know, there's some things that maybe I want to 
meddle in, or I'm curious, right? Like you mentioned that curiosity test, like I'm, I'm curious in things and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but the way yeah, that you said yeah. it, when you're comparing it right now, we're doing Genesis with my students. And so they have a test. Oh, sure. And, yep. <laughs> yeah. And so yep. then when you're talking about that tree of good and evil, obviously that comes to mind. And that makes sense to me. It's like, he wanted, he wanted them to have everything in that garden. Oh yeah. yeah. But it's that yeah. humility and that wonder and that awe and that mystery that you just described. And that's, I think you're right in our society today, we have lost that. We want to get at the root of everything ourselves and we're not leaving yes. room for that, that, that mystery. And also the just recognition that we're never going to know everything because we are not God. We can't equate ourselves to God. So yes. I really like how you said that. I don't know if you want to respond to that. Yeah. I think it's St. Cyril of Alexandria or one of the fathers of the church said something along the lines of the very fact that, that Satan in the, in the garden use this temptation of uh, you will be like God, you know, he's keeping something from you. Um, there's a, the power of his temptation is there is a truth in that, that God yeah. wanted to make us like God um, by participation, but, but not like on our own terms. He wanted to, he actually wanted yeah. to give the fulfillment of all of their desires, which their heart was made to be united to God. Uh, to be lifted up. And so Satan sort of uses that because it, it taps on a truth, but it twists it and says, well, you got you to gotta take it into your own hands because he's keeping you down. And yet the, the whole thing of the way that God relates to us is he's the one that gives us everything that our heart is looking for, but our heart is wounded and seeks to control it. Um, and to, in doing that actually like takes away the wonder, the power, the beauty, and and makes it a product. Mm. Oh my gosh, I can totally tell. You you were a philosophy major, if I don't remember. Correctly. Oh, oh yes. Correct. yes, yes, yes. I'm like, this is, this is totally, because I'm thinking, you know, initially I'm like, okay, humility. And I'm thinking it very, on a very, you know, surface level. And that's why when I was reading this initially, I was like, oh, but I want to meddle. I want to be curious. And you just kind of saying those few phrases just now totally opened this up for me and, mm. and made me think, and even talking about it on um i think one issue that we have right now is we we are using that freedom for on our own terms as you said instead of yeah. maybe for the common good instead of maybe yeah for the greater good right we're trying we think freedom means i get to do whatever i want and even in yeah. that garden yeah. image too they misinterpreted what that free will maybe was mm -hmm. and i don't want to get into all that but but i think that do you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. applying this passage to today I think makes total sense that humility is more than just the surface. It's, it's yeah. also yeah. acknowledging God. And uh, I, I can't, I can't articulate it the way you did it. You did it so beautifully. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think kind of looking at today and there's so much in one of my passions is actually um, the classics and fairy stories and, you know, very much that world of Lewis and Tolkien and, mm -hmm. um, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and uh, you have all these different stories that are there, and they really deal with this this whole idea of um, the importance of us to have the heart of wonder, which is mm -hmm. to be like a child, um, mm -hmm. and only the children can receive the kingdom of heaven because they have this the humility that Mary had of just being open to receive a gift. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when you have someone, even like Victor Frankenstein who um, says, I want to take the power myself and I want to control it apart from any help mm -hmm. from any woman 
or from God. I'm going to lock myself into a room and I'm going to, you know, find the knowledge Mm -hmm. so that I can be powerful and can use it to my advantage. And a monster is created in the midst of that. And, And the sadness is because he's really the monster was Victor Frankenstein and not the monster himself. But that idea of he closed his heart completely to his prodigy, um, both in his creation, but then also in his upbringing and living out because he couldn't see further than just himself. And mm-hmm. and that that you see that played out in so many different mm-hmm. um, characters, um, whether it's Voldemort, whether it's Sauron, whether it's the White Witch. And they're actually telling us a lot about this danger of falling into a way of thinking that doesn't see the other person um, in front of us as gift and as someone that we can't, we can't control and turn into utility. And, and I think that's the great tragedy of, of many of our ways of thinking in, in modernity, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in politics, whether it's in just different interactions is we sort of look through this idea of there's me and everything's surrounds me. And I want this intellectual pride of how can I use this person? How can I discover the secrets of how to make this person serve me and make me feel better, even if it's at their expense? Wow. Yes. And I can see, I loved your analogy or your example of the Frankenstein Um, Because I think we can certainly see how many of us are locked inside of our rooms um, right now, creating these monsters, you know, maybe not like malintention, like it's, we're not conscious of it, you know, we're not conscious of that's what we're doing. So I guess my question for you is, so then how can we maybe break out of those rooms? What do you see as a solution for, and maybe we can, maybe we can draw some from Sirac, you know, what do you think that um, the solution for that is? So we're not so isolated and we're thinking more about others. Um, in the mystery. Tomorrow is the feast of St. Teresa of Avila. Yes, and my girl. I love her. Yeah, she's sassy. She's super yeah, sassy. She, I love oh, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she uh, had one of the most beautiful definitions of humility where she said very much what like what you had said, humility is the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth, sometimes we sort of use that in a way of, well, we're just going to smack people with the truth. But it's the truth of understanding the truth about who God is and who we are. So it puts us in the place of we are his child. Um, We are a creation, not the creator. And Mm -hmm. so we need to everything that we receive, everything that we are um, is a gift from God. And when we're in that sort of relationship where we have hands open and we're receiving versus grasping and Mm -hmm. trying to have like a power play kind of thing, it then opens us to then look at our brother and sister in the world and to be able to realize that they too are a gift, Um, Mm -hmm. that God in his providence has allowed this person um, to be in this world. He said, you know, this person is good. Now, they might not always do good things. They might do wicked things, Mm -hmm. but their fundamental dignity of who they are is a gift from God. And so the more that we can learn how God looks at us with uh, um, Pope Francis talks about this, like gaze of mercy, how -hmm. God looks at us, not in a utilitarian way, but in a way that is just, he loves us 
not for what we can do, not for what we can produce, but for who we are, then that changes the way in which we look at one another, that we might get annoyed and we might get frustrated and we might get angry and disagree. But if we can go to the deeper level to say, this is my brother or sister, and how do I how do I look at them with that gaze of mercy that doesn't use them or mm-hmm. throw them away? Like Pope Francis mm-hmm. talks about the throwaway culture where we sort of cancel them out and just say, yeah. yes, <laughs> they, they don't matter anymore. Um, yeah. My opinion matters and theirs doesn't. Wow, that is so well said. You're you're giving you're talking about a shift, and it's it seems like a, a real big shift in in thinking. But I I think it is just simple. Who doesn't mm-hmm. want to be considered as the creation? I think so many of us are longing to be considered the creation and appreciated as the creation that we are. Yeah, but we think yeah. that we have to be a creator because of our our culture right now. And so, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's such a it's a huge well shift. But I think it's a very it's a simple shift shift, even though it seems big, if that yep. makes any sense. Do you know what yep. I mean? So even you just saying that has shifted my mind um, yeah. because even I'm, I felt, you know, tempted to, like I said, I'm curious, I want to get in things. I want to create things, but also I just want to be appreciated. And again, talking yeah. back to Gen, connecting it back to Genesis. Um, I always start Genesis by doing this kind of little survey and just kind of putting statements and they get to raise their hand or raise their card if they agree or disagree with the statement. And one of the statements before we talk about creation is everything in the world is basically good. Okay. And you think that like, mm. agree, creation story, everything is good. This year, out of all the teaching 11 years, the majority disagreed with that statement. They did not wow. think that the world was created basically good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we got to talk. We got to, <laughs> we got to talk about yeah. this. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. and it's, well, they're like, all they see on the news is bad. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe all you see on the news is bad is because that's different than the norm. The norm is yeah. the good. And anyways, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, that's a mind shift and it, we need to go back, I think more to that. Every, as you said, everyone is created good. We're all a yeah. gift. It sounds simple, but you said it so articulately. <laughs> and, and I think there's a, a training ground that, um, Pope Francis actually talks about in his encyclical Laudato Si. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think unfortunately in the media there was a lot of focus on aspects of the science around climate control and stuff like that, and the whole sort of focus was um, in in our media was all about this, and you take different mm-hmm. sides. But the sad thing about that is ninety eight percent of the whole rest of that was just passed over and missed. And Mm -hmm. I I think it's actually one of the most beautiful, very Tolkien-ish encyclicals Mm -hmm. um, in in recent time where he, Pope Francis talks about the, this, again, this idea of going back to that humility and that the danger in modernity of having this, he calls it a tech technocratic paradigm for the way in which we look at creation. Mm -hmm. And then when we look at creation in that sort of way, it's it's sort of judging it through utilitarianism or how can this, how can this in a sense fuel my desires mm-hmm. versus how do I reverence the giftedness of this creation and even the mysteriousness that that God placed this here and how do I wonder? He says that when we learn how to respect that gift of creation, it becomes a training ground to then be able to look at one another and 
to treasure one another because we are the masterpiece of of all creation. And so there's this mind shift that if we still continue to sort of look at the gift of creation in a very technological way, then we 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 stifle the ability to see the wonder and we we in a sense try to put someone in a box mm-hmm. and sort of say I know everything about them I I can control them and I can make them a pawn for whatever my particular desires are and I think that's where a lot of our hurt and a lot of our woundedness within our world really really comes from so that's something that he mentions in there that I think is a very mm-hmm. beautiful way of rediscovering how to love the mystery of the person and by doing that you're giving them dignity um and mm-hmm. and sort of pulling them out to see their own goodness and appreciate it oh, yes i mean i think that's a huge that's a great point is that we in our modern society we want to we have found a lot of answers we've had great strides in technology and science and, mm-hmm. and all these things but then we are losing that that mystery and yeah. the mystery is so beautiful and one of the things that keeps me catholic that i love about our faith is i feel like we do honor those mysteries there is mystery yes. behind the eucharist the, for instance the eucharist. exactly yeah. totally yep oh my goodness i did not know which way we were going to go with this passage <laughs> but i did not think it was this direction but this is beautiful is there anything else i mean I feel like we've kind of taken it in a completely different direction, but maybe that's good. What else would you like to say maybe about the text or about why you picked this? Or is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I think, you know, that last verse right there where it says, for their hasty judgment has led many astray and Mm -hmm. wrong opinion has caused their thoughts to slip. And I think there's something in that where in uh, in our particular world right now, we don't take the time to sit with something, to think about something, mm-hmm. to really pray about something. But a lot of times we 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 get a sound bite and then it it evokes something within us, but we don't know how to think critically about it or how to in humility say, I might not have the whole story, and mm-hmm. we react to it. And that kind of impulsiveness, we we kind of create a situation where we we run must much faster than really our minds and hearts are accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we get in trouble in some of the sort of viciousness that I mean, even as 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 Christians, um sometimes we can be some of the worst with that um, yeah. in our comments to one another and where we might not necessarily sort of take time to say, okay, how in prayer do I respond to this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I choose the good, true, and beautiful in the way that I present something? Um, or am I just kind of really being uh, drawn just by my my own my own impulse in a sense, um, and not allowing that to be purified to say in humility, mm-hmm. you know, how do I how do I reach out saying I might not have all the answers or all the right. situation? Because sometimes that happens where there's there's an assassination of of character. Mm-hmm. about someone and then all of a sudden you know other things come in later and it's like oh sorry I think we jumped on that too quick yeah so I think that that's something that we just need to be very prudent um, in our use of social media to use it to share goodness truth and beauty but to not be hasty in our um, in our speed even if we're pressured by the rest of the rest mm-hmm. of our culture to say you got to be fast mm-hmm. like to choose to put it down think about it, pray over it before responding. Absolutely. Ugh. I, 
I wish we had more time. We could talk about so many things. But this, I think you've given us so much to think about. And this truly is a wisdom book. I mean, it and, is, and yeah. it's giving us so much wisdom upon wisdom, um, even from beyond just the tech, you know, the context that it was written. Certainly, yeah. I, I can see yeah. why we keep it in our text. That's always the question, right? It's like, well, why do we keep this in our Bible? And why is it in others? But I think you can see <laughs> just from our discussion, oh, how it's much it can, connects yeah. to, you know, um, Genesis and, and, and um, just gives us so much to think about even today. So Amen. Thank, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, at the welcome. end, I always give yeah. people, I give people a chance to plug things. So I don't know, you do a lot, like I know on social media, is there anything that you wanted to plug or want people to check out? So if, uh, especially for anyone who has little ones or anyone who loves just a good fairy story, something recently that it actually started in the midst of COVID was a lot of my school children were getting afraid of being isolated and wondering what was going on. So um, parents reached out to me just to say, can you do something um, on Facebook Live or something like that? So I, I started not knowing it would go this way, but this um, <laughs> kind of Mr. Rogers show um, mm -hmm. called The Virtual Neighborhood. And, and so we've gone through different stories. There's lots of singing and sort of singing, hand motion dancing. We visit horses. We... I mean, all sorts of interesting go disc golfing. Um, but the main thing that we do is we go through these adventure stories. We went through the entire Chronicles of Narnia, all seven books, mm -hmm. and um, the adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the original, uh, the original stories there. And it's just a it's just a beautiful way, especially for younger children, to go on an adventure together, but realize how these things speak um, timeless truths to us. Um, so mm -hmm. there's there's a lot kind of with that. So so that's something if you just look up Father Andy's virtual neighborhood um, or go to like the St. Mary Plano YouTube channel, then, you know, it's a way of being able to find that. And I think there's like 130 episodes. So there's, oh my there's goodness. plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been in quarantine for a while, but that's awesome know, that you also, do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool that you you have this call to serve the youth and then also that you have this love of literature. I think that if you do decide to keep with podcasting, I would love a literature podcast, I think, with That'd be Father fun. Andy. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And if you guys want to follow me or um, be a guest, possibly, or talk scripture with me, you can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats or on Twitter at Ms. Struckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. And you can talk scripture with me and send me a message. And thanks again, Father Andy. You're very welcome. Thanks, everyone. Bye.